Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. It's a beautiful day down here in uh, Denver, up in Fort Collins. It was raining when I left, but we still have a full show for you to do. It's Memorial Weekend. Any chance you get, make sure you get outside, find some family time. We're going to talk a lot of fishing today. We're going to have a couple fly fishing segments on the show. We're going to have uh, Nate and Ronnie, of course, will join us and give us some updates. We're going to do a a uh, Ask the Expert that's going to be about fishing equipment today. Our park segments are going to take you to a couple locations where the fishing is just going extremely well right now. So we're going to talk fishing and fishing. Later on in the show, we will also have a, seg- a short segment on RV tips. We're going to bring that back for a while where we're going to be giving tips for you RVers. So we got just a lot a lot going on. And speaking of what I mentioned earlier, our Ask the Expert question, uh, send your questions in because we really want questions. Uh, if you send a question to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, uh, that's the email at Gmail, terrywickstromoutdoors at gmail.com. You can see the entire instructions if you go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and scroll down. Karen has a post on the, the instructions there. And, and, just by sending your question in, you're eligible to win a $25 gift card to Sportsman's Warehouse if we choose to answer your question on the air. Now, this does two things for us. gives us, lets you become part of the programming, but two, it also gives us feedback. If we get five or six questions that are similar, we obviously can't answer them all on the air, but we know that that's a topic we should cover more. So it really helps us. And it's good for you to part, you know, be part of the show. So get your questions in, terrywickstromoutdoors at gmail.com. The instructions are on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. But basically, we need your question. We need your name, address, and phone number so we can contact you if you win. So with that being said, let's go to the phones now and let's start talking some fishing today. Joining us, uh, he's a very accomplished fly angler, a fly tire, and he's an author, Steve Schweitzer. Good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning, Terry. It is rainy up here, like you said. Yeah, I was surprised. I left up there, and it was dreary and rainy. Get down here, and it's sunny and beautiful. So um, I imagine you're headed up to the high country this weekend, up to about 12,000 feet to go fly fishing, huh? Well, well, I wish. (laughs) I don't think much of um, many of us are going to get up there with the with the snow and the and actually Trail Ridge Road up in Rocky Mountain National Park is being delayed uh, due to the, the massive amount of snow that we just recently got. So it's going to delay us a little bit up there. Now, I know you and I are going to talk a little bit about the runoff here, but before we do, let's talk a little bit about the high country because it will eventually open up. And, uh, you're, of course, you're an author. You have two books. Tell us real quick about the two books. Yeah, the, the first book I wrote was... Uh, on fly fishing Rocky Mountain National Park, and the second one is on fly fishing Indian Peaks Wilderness Area. The two uh, areas are adjacent to each other, so uh, the books are kind of a companion series. And these are, they're, they're probably not the type of book somebody sits down and reads through the entire book, but you pick it up and you look at areas, you plan trips. I'll tell you what I look, when I look at it, I, I look at a certain area that I might want to go to in the park. By the way, the photography in these books, folks, is spectacular. They're easily a great tabletop book, and that's a good place for them because you will pick them up and look at them and learn. But what else is in there, Steve? Yeah, I, I talk about uh, you know, how to get to the locations in uh, all the fishable locations in those two areas. 
the flies you want to use, the techniques, um, the times of year that are best, uh, kind of give you everything you need to know to plan your trip up to a certain location in either the park or any peaks wilderness area. And they're just fantastic books. Where can people get the books if they if they're interested? Yeah, just go on Amazon.com. They're out there, and and I I fulfill the orders myself, and I'll sign them for you. Oh, very good. Hey, let's talk a little bit about current conditions. Now, I know we're getting to the time where everybody's just wants to get out. Kind of the unofficial kickoff to summer is this Memorial Day weekend. We briefly touched on the high country. Uh, there's a lot of snow up there yet, I assume, and we're going to get some runoff. It's already starting in a few places. Kind of give us a, what you see happening in the high country, when we may access it, and what your thoughts are about the runoff here. Yeah, so we had a Kind of like a false runoff a couple of weeks ago, the the water levels came up, got a little little cloudy uh, due to that warm spell we had and a bunch of rain in the um, in the higher elevations. But uh, man, that snow came in, packed it back in. Um, but uh, that doesn't mean the rivers are necessarily icing back over. I'm, I'm sure there are some. I haven't been up there, uh, like you said, up to you know ten thousand, eleven thousand feet yet this year. It's just tough to get there, but. Um, if we continue to have the warm weather that we're supposed to for uh, the next couple of days, if it goes for a week like that, you're going to see runoff start to pop. And uh, that'll turn the, the waters uh, really frigid cold. It'll raise the, the river levels. It'll probably make the lower elevation areas uh, kind of chocolate milk-like. And that tends to turn people away. But, uh, you know, that's uh, oftentimes a, a great opportunity. Don't, just don't even take any waders. Just go up, uh, fish the eight, 9,000 foot uh, level streams, uh, fish the banks, uh, fish tight to the bank with a big, big piece of uh, fly, like a, you know, big woolly bugger or a rabbit strip muddler or a, 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 a double bunny, something like that. And, and those fish will hear it. They'll feel the vibration and they're hugging the banks because they don't want to be out in that current expending energy that they don't need to burn. So it's a great time to fish right close to the bank and get some big ones. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more on all those points. I'm going to uh, hit again on a couple of them. The first thing I want to say, once the runoff starts, now it's starting a little bit. I looked on the way down. Uh, the the big T was running a little higher, but not too bad. But that's damn controlled. I didn't get to go by the pooter, but I've heard it's starting to run pretty high. The St. Verain was up at the top of the banks and looked pretty muddy. Now, you're right, it turns people up. But the first thing I want to touch on is, you said leave your waders at home. I don't think there's a better piece of advice uh, this time of the year if you're going up where there's high flows because I'll tell you what, it, it can be so dangerous. You can fish from the bank. You said, As you said, the fish get pushed close to the bank anyway. And if you put your waders on, there's just that temptation to take that step out there, Steve. Yeah, there's no no need to uh, to risk yourself for injury, especially if you go out by yourself. Um, the trails along rivers. Um, will probably be pretty well beaten down through other hikers. Uh, you know, once you get up into uh, the trails that take you up in the higher elevations, it, you just won't be able to punch through, you know, four or five, six feet of snow. So stay close to the rivers, fish the banks. That's You really don't need to fish in the middle unless you see a boulder or something that breaks the, the current. You can fish behind it. In fact, I one of the largest rainbows I've ever caught has been in runoff um, in Rocky Mountain National Park. I caught a 22-inch rainbow. Uh, with a, a very, very large, like size eight or size six prince nymph behind the boulder. Uh, but I could reach it. I didn't have to get in the water. Yeah, and now even if you're fishing lower elevations, 
Um, when you first get the flows and they're pretty muddy, you still can fish the banks, like you said. But but also, they're going to tend, if, after they run for a week or so, unless we get some rain, they tend to run fast for, I think they're going to run fast probably into July with the snow we've got up there. But the water clears up and becomes quite fishable. Absolutely. Um, and you're exactly right with the with the runoff going into July. That's not uncommon, actually. The The entire month of June is a, a runoff period. But that also means that the snow and the trails are clearing away uh, up in the high country by the third, fourth week of June. So you can start hiking up there and, uh, uh, you know, start getting into that clearer water that has uh, kind of uh, cleared up because of runoff. And then that becomes uh, some dry fly weather if, uh, you know, getting into the July 1st area. Let's talk a little bit, too. You mentioned some big streamers and things this time of the year. You know, everybody, when the water's cold especially, they want to throw little uh, midges and little tiny flies because they think the fish's metabolism is slow. And that could be true, but they're never going to find them in, the, in that fast current or in that muddier water. Uh, but casting uh, streamers, like you said, all through spring can be really effective, especially it is a big fish producer. Yeah, since the water clarity is down, the fish can't see, and they're going to need uh, to uh, hear uh, your fly uh, as you strip it through the water. So you need to make vibration and noise uh, to attract that fish. And remember, they still have to eat, uh, even if the water is uh, high, off color, and cold. They're still eating. So. And absolutely right. And do you, I, I tend to use dark flies when the water's uh, murky. Is that your your advice, too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the the uh, spin fishing adage of dark fly, dark day, light fly, light day uh, still holds true in fly fishing. Yeah, and uh, that when you get like a black or dark brown woolly bugger, even in muddy water, the it, the profile becomes visible. the The outline, the silhouette, is much easier for the fish to see and pick up. And and you you don't have to be. I guess you can. You don't have to be as accomplished with your presentation when you're throwing those big streamers either. In fact, a lot of fly fishermen I find out that are very good technical fly fishermen. I flied, I fished with a number of people that we were, we were in a situation where streamers were really the, what we should be doing. And there they were so used to always technical presentations with very small flies and getting perfect drifts that they actually weren't giving enough action to that streamer sometimes. Sometimes the water will do it for you, but you don't have to be as precise, do you? No, not at all. In fact, if I were to go out uh, this weekend, which I may still try to get uh, get some time on the water, I would, uh, like a large uh, vanilla bugger, a double bunny, uh, even if it's tied with a little rattle in it, uh, and some flash. You know, Throw everything at it uh, that you can to the fish right now to attract that fish to your uh, to your bait. Now, before we let you go, you're appearing at a few places here coming up. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, the uh, first week of June on Tuesday, I don't have the date offhand, uh, I'll be uh, appearing at the Colorado Women's Fly Fishers Organization talking about fishing the west side of Rocky Mountain National Park. Uh, and then that Thursday, I think it's the 6th and the 8th, if uh, someone may correct me there, but... Um, that Thursday, then, I'll be at Orvis Park Meadows talking about fishing all of Rocky Mountain National Park. So it'll be Rocky Mountain National Park-themed uh, presentations in a week and a half. Do you have a Facebook or website where people can kind of see where you're appearing if they want to come talk to you about those parks? Yeah, yeah. Just go out to uh, Fly Fishing RMNP uh, on Facebook, and you'll see all the stuff there. 
That's fantastic. And by the way, Toss, speaking of the women uh, fishing, my article in the Denver Post just this last week was on women in the outdoors. And we talked about hunting and fishing. And we specifically talked about the women uh, fly fishing organization here in Colorado. And on that article, I, I not only have the podcast from our radio conversations last week, but I, I linked to a, uh, a fly fishing show where Karen went out with Janice O'Shea, who's, I don't think she's with the organization anymore, but she was extremely active, and fished some properties that the women fly fishermen use, and they did some educational things. And it was fish, filmed a few years ago. It was really Karen's introduction to fly fishing. But it was, it was a tremendous program. So if you go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, you'll see and just scroll down to my Denver Post article. You can follow that link to all that steve once again if they want to get the books or if they want to get a hold of you well go out to amazon.com and you'll see uh my books just search for them or you can go to fly fishing rmnp.com and uh research and contact me there further all right great talking to you and you and i have to get on the water this very yeah, soon we threaten each other all the time thanks yeah. Terry. all right thanks steve that's steve schweitzer just a tremendous resource great fly fisherman if you can catch one of his talks please do and the books are fantastic uh, fly fishing guide to uh, rocky mountain national park and then the indian peaks wilderness area by steve schweitzer just tremendous tremendous books terry Oaks from outdoors is brought to you in part by sportsman's warehouse america's premier outfitter Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you by Honey Smoked Fish Company, the best honey smoked salmon you can buy. It's delicious. Uh, the secret is in the fire. Let's go right to the phones now. And uh, joining us from Jackson Lake State Park, we have Amy Brandenburg. Good morning, Amy. Hi, Terry. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. You know, the weather up at my house was raining, but I got down here to... Uh, Denver and it's sunny and it's a little clouded up. Supposed to be a little rain off and on, but then the rest of the weekend is supposed to be fantastic. So that's looks- what we're seeing here. It looks pretty cloudy. It seems like we'll have a few showers later on this morning, and then it should clear up for the afternoon. I'm thinking that's awesome. But you know, for people who don't know or they're new to the area, tell them where Jackson Lake Park is located and kind of describe it. Yeah, so we're northeast of Denver by just about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, We're in a little town called Orchard. It's near Fort Morgan. Um, We're right off I-76, just about 10 miles west of the interstate. I I actually used to camp there quite a bit myself, and I've fished it in the past. I haven't fished there for a while, which is bad for me. I need to get out there. But when you people think of out in the prairie, though, but you have uh, some beautiful settings out there. You actually, along some of your campgrounds, have quite a few trees, don't you? Yeah, so we are uh, considered an oasis on the plains. We do have a lot of trees around our lake um, and throughout our campgrounds. And then we also are a great warm water fishery as well here. And let's how many campsites do you have available? Does, do people need reservations this time of the year? We definitely do advise people to get reservations for the weekend. Memorial Day, we've been booked up for a couple months now. Um, but during the week, if you're coming out to camp, if your kids are on summer vacation, typically you don't need reservations. But for the weekend, we definitely recommend it. And you're actually famous for that sandy beach. People don't think of Colorado as having big sandy beaches, but Jackson Lake certainly does. And, of course, the water, I assume, is pretty high right now, so there's less beach, but you can still walk in that sand. out. It's shallow, and you can walk in the sand out in the water forever. Yeah, absolutely. And the water's starting to warm up, too. We're at about 61 degrees right now, and I'm guessing with these warm, sunny days that we're going to have soon is we're going to have a lot of great beach 
uh, and some warm swimming for people. Oh, and it's just it's just such a great place that you can camp. My daughter camped out there last year, and you can camp, and you've got the great beach activity and the warm water for water sports, whether it's water skiing or swimming or whatever you want to do. And it, it, because it's shallow, it stays warm. And then you have some phenomenal fishing out there. We do. We had, um, actually, the Colorado Walleye Association came out last weekend for their tournament, uh, which was all catch and release, and almost all of them limited out. Uh, and all those fish were very healthy. They didn't lose any fish either. So we saw a lot of really large walleye, and they even caught some small wiper, um, which myself and one of the fish biologists uh, stocked last summer. So they're about 8 inches right now, so it's really good to see that those fry that we put in are, are doing well out there. Now, I want to talk more about the walleyes, but before we get to that, what other species? I know there's catfish and there's some bass. What else do people catch there? Yeah, so we do stock with rainbow trout. We have perch. We have wiper. Um, you name it for a warm water fishery, and we've probably got it. Yeah, it is fantastic. And the walleye fishing right now, uh, I talked to some guys that fished pre-fishing for that walleye tournament for uh, the Colorado Walleye Association, mm-hmm. and they said... It was almost like a bite on every cast pre-fishing. When that cold front came through, it did slow down, but you were still catching fish. But as it warms now again, you're going to get to those those 30, 40, 50 fish days out there if you know what you're doing. And because it's only a 15-inch limit, I always hear people say, well, I go to Pueblo and I go to Cherry Creek, and I always catch 16, 17-inch fish, but I have to put them back. Well, that's not the case at Jackson Lake. Yep, we are a 15-inch limit. Um However, you're going to catch a lot of fish that are over that. Um, And then uh, it is for 21 and over, you can only have one of those fish if you do decide to keep them and take them home. Well, you know, and that's great because you get the bigger broodstock, the bigger trophy-sized fish back in there so other people can catch them. And the best eating is really those 16 to 20-inch fish anyway. They're fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we run out of time, you have a really special event coming up. I believe, and just what is when's it going to be in a week or so? Tell us about that. Yeah, so next Saturday, June 3rd, from 9 to 12, we do have a kids' fishing clinic. It's geared to kids 12 and under, and we do have 100 free fishing poles that they can uh, come out and get. They do have to sign up for those, so they can call our visitor center. Um, and we also have a raffle going on, too, that day uh, during the fishing clinic, so they can win some great prizes as well. All right, so let's talk a little bit about this fishing clinic. You're actually going to use nets to contain a part of the lake that will be heavily stocked with trout. Is that right? Yeah. So down in our inlet, we are going to set up two nets, and then we are going to stock it with trout the night before. Um, That area is going to be closed off until the actual fishing clinic for the kids, and then those fish will be released into the lake. And so there's a good chance the kids kids will catch fish. Now, so you're talking an hour drive out of Denver, and what times are it next? Is it next Saturday again? It's from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. All right. And do you have to, can you be there at any time or do you have to be right at the beginning? Uh, nope. We have uh, several different time slots that you can sign up for if you call the visitor center. Uh, the number for that is going to be 970-645-2551. All right. And then once you signed up, now you said you're giving away like 100 fishing rods to kids. Is that in sign-up order or show-up order? How does that work? Yep, so we do take their their names for the time slots, and that way they're guaranteed a poll. That's so awesome. And is this information on the website for the park, too? Yeah, it's on our Facebook page. Yeah, that's um, that's fantastic, and it's just what a great way. You're going to have a clinic for the kids to get some instructions. Uh, it'll be great for parents who want to get their kids into fishing. 
who you know maybe don't understand how now they can get up there have some help and actually help the kids catch some fish and at the same time come up and see this great park facility you've got up there. I assume there's no charge for this other than entry into the park. Is that right? That's correct. The fishing clinic is completely free. The rod is completely free um, and all the instruction. All they do need to have is a $7 daily parks pass or their $70 annual parks pass. You know, before I let you go, I'm going to touch on the annual parks pass again, too, because in the past, I know people used to wait. They wouldn't buy an annual parks pass because they thought they were too late into the year. But several years ago, that changed. And now the parks pass, it's a year from when you buy it. So no matter when you buy it, you get a full year out of that parks pass. Yep, and it is good at all 42 state parks as well. And the last thing I'll ask you, we talked about we talked about the water levels fairly significant. Boat ramps are open. Are there inspection hours when they can launch and can't? Yeah, it's going to be 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. each day for inspections. And then we also do pre-inspections as well. So if you decide to go out fishing early the next morning, just make sure that you get your pre-inspection. And we do have a drop box at the end of the ramp that people can use for that. All right, so that that sounds really good. And if you're out a little later, if you want to, if as long as you launch by six, you can stay out on the water. I assume that's correct. All right, because there'll be some pretty good evening bite out there for those walleyes. I'll tell you what, everybody wants to go catch a few walleyes to eat. I would certainly, certainly be uh, be one of those. If they're they're always asking me where can I go catch a few, and it's it looks. Uh, just fantastic. And I'll tell you what, later on during the course of the show, we may talk to a few people that will give us a few tips on how to catch those fish out there. So, so Amy, I want to thank you for joining us today. Any last things? Uh, tell them how they get a hold of the website. Uh, so they can go on Colorado Parks and Wildlife and just go on to the Jackson Lake portion of that website. Otherwise, we are on Facebook. Just go ahead and search Jackson Lake State Park, and it should pop right up with all of our information. Uh, but we hopefully we will see everybody out here for our fishing clinic and out here camping over the next couple months. All right. Thank you very, very much, and we appreciate you coming on with us. And we'll have a, a hope people will come out and have a really great time out there. Sounds great. Thanks, Terry. All right. Um, that was uh, Amy from uh, um, Jackson Lake State Park, and what a, what a tremendous facility that is! Uh, um, I t- and it's uh, it's just it's just an awesome awesome facility. I tell you what, we're waiting for um, our RV segment caller to come in. He might have got tied up and got busy. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to a break, and then we'll try to slot the RV segment right after the next park segment. And that way we won't have to, you know, just hang on here waiting and we can get that done. I want to remind you that uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you by Honey Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going to get to our next park segment in just a second. But first, we're going to do our RV segment now. And uh, joining us on the line from uh, Adventure Camper Rentals is Ray Reeves. Good morning, Ray. Hi, Terry. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. So you're going to be doing our uh, RV segment here for the next several weeks at least. Really glad to have you on. I've missed having an RV segment. Before we get to your tip today, let's find out a little bit about your uh, Adventure Camper Rental. Now, if I'm not mistaken, for years, you guys have been in business for a long time, but you were known mostly as a rental uh, outlet, but that's kind of changed in the last three years or so. 
Um, yes, it has. About three years ago, we uh, started moving into the new unit sales business, and now we carry a, a full selection of travel trailers from Viking, uh, Real Light, Sonoma, and Solaire. A um, couple things that might be of interest to your listeners, the Real Light line in particular uh, comes with an off-road package, so it allows your your listeners to get further into the backcountry than you know some of the normal travel trailers do. Uh, Solaire and Sonoma are higher end, uh, more of a luxury coach, and they have uh, heated tanks and, and enclosed underbellies, which allow for camping in extended seasons when the weather's cold either in the spring or the fall. So, yeah, we have a full selection of a variety of travel trailers for all needs and budgets, basically. I think up to about 25 feet. Now, you don't do motorhomes, you do trailers, you do rental and sales, yep. um, but you just really have a selection. We're going to talk more about your dealership here in a second, but let's give a tip for today. You were talking to me uh, earlier in the week, and you said one of the biggest mistakes people make is they don't check their batteries and they don't have a way to recharge a battery if they're all camping and there's no plug-in. Yeah, that's true. And, and a common misconception is uh, customers sometimes think that, uh, you know, the, the propane on the camper really runs the furnace. And, and it is true that you need propane to run the furnace with, but you're limited on how long you'll be able to run the furnace by battery power. And, and so you'll need battery first, basically. And, uh, so if you want to be, you know, able to keep the furnace running and keep warm at night, uh, having a means to recharge those batteries is really necessary. Um, if you're staying at a campground with electricity, you're home free. But if you're not, uh, we sell and rent both solar panels and generators, and that's really the key to being able to stay warm in a camper during these shoulder seasons. Now, will those solar-powered gener- uh, uh, chargers, they work pretty well? I mean, that would be awfully quiet, too. Of course, the new generators are quiet, too. But They, they are, yeah, both. But, but yeah, to me, that's the big advantage of a solar panel is – uh, they're obviously completely silent. You just set them up and forget them. Uh, you need them to face south into the sun, of course, but you just set them up and forget them. And the nice thing about a solar panel, uh, these deep-cycle marine batteries that we put on travel trailers, they like to be charged slowly, So you, and that's exactly what a solar panel does. So um, uh, having a solar panel charge those batteries is a good way to take care of the battery itself. Now, Ray, um, one of the advantages you have is that you're located in the southeast part of Denver, which gives you good access to people that would normally have to drive quite a bit to get to an RV dealer. Why don't you tell people where you're located and how they can find you? Okay, thank you. Uh, we're located near the intersection of Arapahoe Road and Jordan Road. We're really one block west of Jordan and, and one block south of Arapahoe. But, uh, yes, we're conveniently located in the southeast metro Denver area for access to customers from Parker and Elizabeth, Highlands Ranch, Littleton, Inglewood, South Aurora. Uh, so, yeah, you don't have to drive all the way up to the I-70 corridor. All right, and that's uh, we're talking at... Uh... To Ray from Adventure Camper Rentals. And, Ray, we look forward to talking to you every week and getting an RV tip. Great. Thanks, Terry. Thanks so much, Ray from Adventure Camper RVs. Let's go right back to the phones now. And joining us from um, Mancos and Lone Mesa State Parks is Scott Elder. Good morning, Scott. Hey, good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. Sorry we had to do a little shifting around there, but glad to have you on. So, Well, it was 
Good to hear, Ray. I want one of those light series campers, a couple solar panels. That's a perfect rig for well, Mancus. So well, and we grab we, one of those and come on down. Oh yeah, we, one of the things we're, we're, we want the RV segment back for, and why we position it between the park segments is we have such great resources in Colorado, and an RV is such an incredible way to um, take advantage of that. In fact, uh, we'll tell people about the camping you have available. But first, why don't you tell them where the parks are located? So Mancus State Park is down here in the southwest corner of, of Colorado. It's about five miles out of the town of Mancus, so 45 minutes west of Durango, uh, down in the Four Corners area. So it's a great base camp for Mesa Verde National Park and the Four Corners Monument and some of the incredible archaeology down here. And Lone Mesa is uh, just north of Dolores, which is, uh, again, about uh, 45 minutes to an hour west of Mancus State Park. And Lone Mesa provides right now a real high-quality big-game hunting experience. So uh, very limited public access right now uh, as the park development is planned. But the big-game hunting is is absolutely amazing and uh, by, by limited access during all the big-game seasons. Right. And then right now you could come and stay at Mancus and do a little scouting. Wouldn't hurt to do that, would it? In fact, a lot of people stay at Mancus just to see the area. They use it as a base. Tell us about your camping facility, and I think you have yurts, too. Right. So Mancus State Park really does provide a great base camp to this area in that it's one of the campgrounds that's nestled in these Ponderosa Pines at about 7,500 feet in elevation. So it's nice and cool through the length of the summer. Um, and then you're only about 20 minutes away from the entrance of uh, Mesa Verde National Park. Um, we have 33 campsites, all of which are, are basic, uh, no hookups at the site, but we do have uh, great availability of potable water throughout the campground. We have an RV dump station. So those, again, those light trailers, light uh, RVs that Ray was talking about are a perfect rig here. Well, and, and that, then, that uh, solar for charging the batteries, what a way to go. And be yeah. That sounds fantastic. Absolutely. And we get a lot of great tent campers, too. We uh, enjoy the fact that this park uh, provides that great niche of uh, some quality tent camping. And then you have a couple of yurts, too, I believe. Two yurts and uh, great, very popular in the summer, of course. But uh, one of the exciting things to see is how they've uh, changed getting some folks out during our shoulder seasons and over winter. The park is open Year-round, 24-7, we uh, plow snow so folks can get to those yurts, and they are heated and have a fridge and power available inside. They're pretty pretty awesome and cozy. No, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I want to talk about the fishing, but before we get to that, I also want to mention that, you know, we're uh, Sun Power Sports is a major partner of this show, and if you're, an R, if you're an ATVer, you have access to some of the best ATV off-road trails up there. I would say, you know, one of the premier trail systems in Colorado with what we call the Aspen Loop. Um, it's on National Forest land down here. Uh, you can trailer your ATV out of the park for only about 10 minutes and beyond that Aspen Loop and literally have hundreds of miles of open motorized uh, available to you. And it's a it's a gorgeous trail system. All right. Now I want to talk to fishing. Now, normally when I think of Mancus, I immediately think of those perch. But before we get to those perch, you've been telling me they've been stocking and doing some things with the trout that you're having some phenomenal trout fishing right now. We are having some outstanding trout fishing for sure. You know, we always have that good base of uh, of stocked rainbow trout. Um, and they've, they've traditionally put brooders in here. We just got a load of brooders, so the, the brood fish from the hatcheries, 
that truck uh, averaged four and a half pounds per fish. Per fish. So oh. there's some big rainbows in here. Oh, yeah. And people are finding them. And then we have those good holdover trout. We're seeing a lot of those in that 18 to 22-inch range coming out this year, which is real exciting. I yep. just talked to three of our visitors this morning, a dad and, and uh, his two kids out. They've already caught and released a couple of those stocked fish on a little uh, yellow rooster tail this morning. So oh, that's fishing's a- good. That's awesome. And I want to talk about the perch, but you know, another thing that I tell people, we're going to get runoff coming pretty soon. The rivers are going to get tougher. We talked about that earlier in the show. You can still fish them, but this is a great time of the year, even for the fly fishermen to fish trout from in, in lakes. That you're hitting the nail on the head there. Our, our water right now, and I'm just staring up at the, the plot is right now. We have three and a half plus feet up at that snow tail of snow yet to come down. It's keeping these rivers high and roily. Um, but these smaller lakes down here offer some great fly fishing opportunity, uh, say a belly boat and a fly rod in the morning and evening. And great to see these folks catching them on inline spinners here this morning. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, uh, real quick, let's touch on the perch. Then I want to talk about your access hours. The perch, um, they're, they, they were prolific. They were a little small, but you guys did some things to correct that. And it's given us two good fisheries. It, right, the hats off to to Jim White, our area biologist down here that manages these these fisheries and uh, those those yellow perch were stunted, overgrowing themselves, and and uh, so Jim put some brown trout in here as well as some splake uh, a few years ago, and the brown trout predation on those yellow perch is really working. The average size of those perch is coming up uh, through the ice. We were seeing a you know a real nice filetable perch come out in good number. So. I'm with you, Terry. I love fishing for those perch. They're fantastic eating. We still encourage our folks to to take them and use them if they will uh, to continue to manage that population. And you ended up with some big brown trout as a plus. <laughs> that's that's the other upside. Yeah, we get some big brown trout, and those browns, literally, those you know, big 24, 28 inch jack jawed, heavy, good fish. They're they're a fun fish to catch. Now we are almost out of time, but we do want to touch on the fact that. Because of your location and the close to Lake Powell, there is very much concern about the invasive species, the aquatic nuisance inspections. So what are your inspection policies if people head out? When can they launch? Great. Appreciate your program doing a good job with that ANS issue. uh, It's good to get that clean, drain, dry message out. But we do still provide for trailer boating here at Manca State Park. Um, Boats just have to be pre-inspected and have a green seal and receipt. Um, so proof of that Colorado pre-inspection, and they just drop that seal and receipt off at our drop box um, if there's not an inspector here. So pre-launch uh, inspection is required, and then we have the facilities here uh, to prove up that inspection by dropping their seal and receipt, which our Colorado boaters are getting very, very familiar with. Can they get an inspection done there if they don't have one? They can. We did, as you've pointed out uh, in other show segments, we, we've lost that ANS budget, so we do not have the consistency of inspector availability, um, but we have some previously certified inspectors who are here and we, we make them available as possible. Encourage folks to get to just call the park and it is a good way to make sure that there's an inspector here if you don't have a green seal and, and receipt already. All right, Scott, we got to run, but great. You know, it's just... It, it, what a beautiful place to come catch a bunch of fish, camp out there. What a great kids fishing spot with little spinners. We've got the perch and the trout, and you never know when you're going to hang one of those big broodstock fish, and just a beautiful place to be. Scott, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Terry. That's uh, Scott Elder. He is from uh, Mancos and uh, 
and Lone Mesa State Parks out in the southwest corner of the state. You know, folks, it's about a five-hour drive, but that area of the state is just, just incredible. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, um, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. We're going to go to the phones now, and joining us, a premier angler, uh, Mr. Sam Heckman. Good morning. Morning, Terry. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, and, you know, I wanted to get you on today because I know Pueblo is your home water, and you fish that area a lot. Not that you don't fish all over the place, and we can give people some fishing tips, but especially I think Pueblo is probably on fire, just the reports I've heard and knowing the time of the year and what the weather has been. But also you decided to enter a bass tournament that Nate Zielinski put on a couple of weeks ago, and you had to go and win the thing, so I thought you might be a good guy to talk to. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't fished any of Nate's uh, events before, and what an awesome event. He he sure puts on a, a great show, so I think I'll be joining him and a few more down the road. And, yeah, we decided, uh, you know, I've been fishing a few ABAs, just sneaking in and out. And uh, the bite's so good at Pueblo right now. I mean, how could you say no to that? And uh, went down there and got to meet a bunch of old friends, and uh, we ended up on top. So it was, uh, it was a great day. So Well, you're an extremely accomplished angler. You've qualified for several national titles, and you've, just, you've been in a lot of big tournaments. Um, but Pueblo is your home water. And I used to fish Pueblo a lot, Sam, and I don't get down there as much. When I used to live in Denver. I would make that drive quite often. I know I've got some lakes up north that I tend to fish more. But typically this time of the year, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but you've got the walleyes are done spawning. They're hitting into their summer peak period when you're going to get those 50, 60 fish days if you know what you're doing. The bass are probably, I would think, pre-spawn to spawn, and they're going to be very easy to locate if you know what you're doing. Is that kind of what's going on? Yeah, you know, the, the the walleye, they're starting to come back shallow and get on the feed. And, you know, we had so much rain. The, the upper end of the lake is really muddy. Um, but, you know, you can still find the really good schools of those. The bass, um, they're in post-spawn, spawn, and, and um, there's a lot of bass on beds right now. So, you know, always try to practice catch and release. But where the water's clear, it's pretty obvious what they're doing. Um, just everywhere, and you know, towards the east end, there's there's bass in just about every cove. Now, I want to talk about both, but before I do, there's a few other species that get overlooked there, too, and that's the crappies and the catfish, especially. Well, you know, I'm not much of a catfish fisherman, Terry. I, I really hate them because I needed one fish in the national championship, and the fish I caught was a catfish. So, um, <laughs> but, you know, it, uh, they, they kind of haunt me, and I never catch bat, uh, catfish unless I'm bass fishing, so I never purposely target them. But uh, the crappie right now, and they're, they're doing the same thing. Um, down at Pueblo, Terry. I mean, you can get in the back of the coves and just find the the brush and the points. And if the water's clear, you can see them all gathered up. And they're just they're on beds too. Um, you know, lots of crappies right now. People are catching a ton of crappies at Pueblo right now. If you want to go down, and good sized ones too. I'm hearing. Yeah, you know they're they're catching them up up to 15 inches uh, down there. Most of them that we caught. Uh, you know, I went out <laughs> last Sunday. Uh, after the tournament, I had a buddy of mine who really wanted to go fishing, and we went out and caught quite a few. But they were just the young bucks, uh, you know, the little, you know, eight nine inchers. But we we had several that were in that twelve, you know, thirteen inch range, and brought a few home to eat. So it was it was well worth a trip. You know, little green chartreuse twister tails, uh, just swimming them really slow, and it, it's kind of hard to miss them crappie bites. No, you're absolutely. Right. Let's talk a little bit about the bass and the walleyes, and what we're going to see over the next few weeks. 
Um, the walleyes first. You know, the walleyes this time of the year, um, like you said, they get on the feed. They're they're done spawning. They'll typically move on structure. They probably aren't suspended as much yet because you haven't had the young of the year shad typically yet. And what happens when you haven't had the young of the year shad hatch? The the walleyes get a little bit more aggressive, especially those those males, which are the shorter fish, unfortunately, a lot of the time. But you can have these big days because these fish are feeding ferociously, and that's really all that's on their mind. It's really just a matter of locating them, isn't it? You know, once you find a school, Terry, you can catch. You can just catch them one after another. A jig head and a half a night crawler. If you're just going out uh, and you want to catch walleyes, just you know, take a night crawler, you know, a large night crawler, pinch it in half, put it on a jig head, let about an inch hang out straight from the uh, jig head, just slowly drag it on the bottom. It's going to feel like mush on your rod or uh, a rubber band stretching your rod. Uh, you don't really feel a tick with those walleyes. They're just there and with weight, and you'll catch 50, 60 walleyes this time of year. It's crazy. Not a lot of keepers, but, you know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, this definitely is not a big fish time of the year. There's big fish in there, but, you know, there's they're a little difficult to catch because they're not up for the spawn anymore. But you really can get into some really nice fish. What what about um, the location or depth of the fish, Sam? Any any pointers? Somebody headed down there, yeah. where would they start? You know, I would go from anywhere from, from 12 to, to 20 feet. Uh, basically, the underwater humps, the points, main lake points, underwater humps, uh, secondary points inside the coves. There's a lot of walleyes right now staging in. Uh, you know, I, I won't name names but because uh, I don't want to get up, guys upset with me, but there's a lot. If, if you go out there and you just see your fish finder light up, and you can even catch a bunch from the bank too, Terry. So there's, there's just a lot of walleyes right now coming shallow. Now let's go to the bass before we run out of time because we only got a couple minutes left. But Pueblo is blessed that it has largemouth, smallmouth, and spotted bass. We've had several high water years, and usually after high water years, the largemouth really come on, and the and the spot and smallmouth usually tend to tend to stay good as long as the forage is good. What's going on with those? Well, you know, we I've been having a hard time. I found the largemouth early in the year when I was down there, and then I just couldn't find them. And we were fortunate enough to catch two really nice ones in the Nate tournament down there. And then uh, the spots have really, really come on, Terry. There's so many, I mean, just cookie-cutter spots that are in that 15 and an eighth, 15 and a quarter-inch range. They're all averaging two pounds, big fatties. Uh, the spots are just incredible right now at Pueblo. I, it's really awesome to see them come back because I think we lost a really good year class of them, you know, a few years back when the water went down, and now they're just really coming back. And then smallies, the smallies are everywhere. It's, uh, man, the smallmouth bass fishery down there is just incredible. If you were going to target those spots, what 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 would you look for? What What would you use? You know, basically we're catching the spots just, you know, anywhere uh, along a bluff wall. Um, they like to cruise that bluff wall this time of year. Uh, you know, we caught s- several of them uh, just outside of the North Marina and going down the bluff walls there and uh, anywhere in Juniper right now. There's a lot of them on beds right now. So, uh, you know, like I said, just catch us uh, the CPR catch photo on release when you when you see them out there. But uh, you can walk along that bank and just see them cruising. There's uh they're they're pretty hard to miss. They're really beautiful fish once you get them up. And what do you what kind of a presentation do you use for the spots? You know, a weightless senko. You can't go wrong with a weightless senko. Green pumpkin color. You know, the water is really crystal clear. So even that watermelon, that smoke color, smoke's one of my favorite color for spots down there at Pueblo. So uh, you know, just make a long cast. Um, you might have to use a spinning rod if you're not uh, good with a bait caster making long cast, and just let it fall. And they'll hit it on the fall. All right, Sam, we got to go, but great information. Pueblo should fish good for, geez, another month at least, too. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. We have our uh, our uh, high school championship down there here coming up in a couple of weeks, and it ought to be an awesome time. So um, I think there's going to be a lot of good fish caught. All right. Thanks for joining us, Sam. As always, great information. Thanks, Terry. I appreciate you. You bet. Terry Wisham Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, the largest ATV and motorcycle dealer in Colorado.